Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And thank you so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate you being here, you listening, uh, investing your time. I know your time is valuable. You only get so much of it. So thank you for choosing to uh, to engage with the podcast today. And I will do my best, or I did my best, uh, as I just finished recording today's episode, to uh, make sure it was valuable and relevant for you, for just about any human being that would listen. Um, there's three things I covered today. They're three kind of random, unrelated, yet as you'll listen, there's ends up being quite a bit of overlap throughout these three topics. The first one uh, is I shared the four really profound lessons that I learned uh, on my most recent vacation. I went on a or my first vacation I've had in a long time, but it was the best vacation of my life. And so if you listen, if you follow me on social media, you saw me post about this, but I went really deep today uh, in how you can apply it to your own life. How can you apply these four lessons? When I reflected on the vacation and asked, what made this the best vacation of my life? These are the four lessons. And then I, in this episode today, I really talk about translate how you can apply these to your daily life to really enhance your life and and make it better to really optimize it. The second thing I talk about today is the food supply chain disruptions that are going on. So this is a departure from, you know, topics I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's something I've really dove into a lot over the last year. And if you think about it, it's not that unrealistic. We, you know, last March, we had this happen with COVID where there were runs on grocery stores. And I don't know about you, but the grocery, our grocery stores were empty. You couldn't get, um, you couldn't get any produce. You, I mean, there were some stuff in the stores. They weren't empty, empty, but they were pretty dang barren. And so there are uh, quite a few signs that that could happen again. It might even be likely to happen again. And so I just share some ideas on what you might want to do to prepare and some resources to look deeper into that. And then last but not least, uh, sharing a new book that I am reading called The Inner Work. And I talked to you about, uh, well, actually read the read the introduction to you and share with you why this book may have uh, led me to the decision that I am no longer writing a book. The book that I am currently writing, I may not finish it and publish it because of this book. And today uh, I will share with you why that is. Before we dive in, you know, one of the things I go deep in today is health. I talk a lot. It was unintended when I started, but I ended up going really deep into health and specifically the foods that you eat and how those impact your health and the criteria that you are using to decide what you put into your mouth and, and you know, what you put into your body. And uh, if you've got a busy schedule, I want to I want to take a second to uh, mention my sponsor, Organifi. You know, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go. Even if you had the time to juice vegetables or eat massive salads and make the morning smoothie that I teach you today in the episode, you may not love the taste of, you know, dark leafy greens. And as we all know, a lack of nutrition can lead to low energy, bad moods, all sorts of long-term health issues. And that's why Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition 
using delicious superfood blends. All you do is add a scoop to a glass of water or your favorite plant-based milk or your favorite smoothie. I put it in my smoothies. Uh, And it nourishes your day with carefully picked adaptogens, fruits, vegetables, medicinal mushrooms, and more. It's one of the easiest healthy choices you can make each and every day. And go to, if you're interested in that, check out Organifi.com forward slash Hal, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com, forward slash Hal. And then if you decide to get some Organifi, use the code Hal, H-A-L, at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's an additional 15% off of all the sale prices they have going on right now. And then last but not least, I want to thank Self Publishing School. My friends at Self Publishing School, I've been good friends with their founder, Chandler Bolt, for over five years. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, and Pedro and the rest of the crew as well. And Self Publishing School is for you if you have a dream or a desire or a little voice in your head that says, I want to write a book. What if I wrote a book? What might that be like? Whether it's to create an extra stream of income for you or leave a legacy for your children or make an impact in the world or to boost your business and attract new customers, whatever the reason is you want to write a book or just for fun, uh, head over to self-publishingschool.com forward slash Hal. That's self-publishingschool.com forward slash Hal. And you'll learn how to turn your dream of writing a book into a reality of being a published author. So without further ado, my musings today on uh, all the things that are going on uh, in my life that are important that I hope add value to your life as well. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about three unrelated topics, but important topics. Um, The first is I'm going to share with you uh, my recent vacation and not just my vacation to tell you about my vacation, but it was the best vacation of my life. And I was really present to that while I was having the vacation. So I want to talk to you about, I really reverse engineered the vacation. Why, Why is this vacation so meaningful? Why do I feel so good? Why do I feel without any stress? How am I so present? How am I, all of those things so that you can apply them to your own, not just vacations, but to your daily life. The second thing I want to talk about today is our food supply chain. And I won't spend a lot of time on this because I I definitely don't consider myself an expert, but I've spent the last year quite a bit of time, I'd say dozens of hours, studying topics relevant, well, over hundreds of hours studying topics relevant to my family, but dozens of hours specifically studying our food supply chain. And there are some real concerns uh, on the horizon that are looming in our ability to have our grocery stores stocked with shelves and, um, and restaurants, you know, having food available. And so I think it's worth just me spending at least a few minutes to bring it to your attention in case it's not, maybe share some resources if you want to dig deeper. Um, but, uh, uh, if you know worst case scenario if uh if if food the food supply chain uh indeed broke or was severely severed and you had a limited ability to get food i'd feel really bad if i didn't at least uh give you a heads up because uh, i've taken actions for my family as a result of what i've learned and then last but not least i'm going to share with you uh actually i'm going to share with you where is it it's a new book i started reading that i am it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm 
blown away by, I'm pleasantly surprised by, and I might, it because of this book I'm reading, I might not write the book I've been writing. I might not finish it because as I'm reading this book, it's almost exactly what I was going to write about. It's, in fact, if I wrote the book that I was planning on writing without having come across this other book that I'm going to share with you today, and then those authors found my new book, it would have looked like I plagiarized their book, even though I had never read the book, because somehow they wrote about, we're writing about the exact same things using they're using the same verbiage that I use. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. So I thought, man, I, I may not need to write my next book. I might just start promoting the heck out of uh, this book and helping them share their work because I, I think that they, uh, they've already said what I was going to say, or at least in their own words. So those are the three things that we're going to touch on today. First, uh, taking the lessons I learned from my vacation that you can apply to your everyday life that made it the best vacation of my life. Uh, talk about the food supply chain, some of the challenges and some of the uh, things you wanna take action on to be prepared for what may or may not be coming down the pipe. And then uh, we're gonna talk about The Inner Work. That's the name of the book that I uh, referenced a minute ago. The Inner Work, an invitation to true freedom and lasting happiness. So first of all, my vacation, and I don't, I don't even like framing it that way because I'm not trying to tell you about my vacation. I'm really wanting to extract the lessons though. And uh, the vacation was seven days. M me, my wife, our two kids went up to, uh, we flew into Seattle and we went and visited my mom in Tacoma, Washington. And this is the third, third time's a charm. The first two times we had this vacation scheduled, we had to cancel it. And uh, it was first was two years ago. We had uh, a trip scheduled to visit my mom and I had chemotherapy. I was still doing chemo for my cancer. And uh, after the chemo, I got really, really sick. And uh, sadly, I had to cancel the trip. And my mom was, she was, you know, she was supportive, but devastated. She was looking forward to us finally getting up there. Uh, it was the first time since my son was born, who at that time was seven, uh, we had never visited my mom with my son. I felt like you know, I was not being a good son myself. So we finally had the trip scheduled, canceled it because I was sick. Then last year, we had the trip rescheduled for the second year and uh, COVID hit and we had to cancel the trip. Flights were canceled during that time. We couldn't even get up there if we wanted to. And then this year, finally, we rescheduled the trip and third time was a charm. We got to go see my mom. And that was the first thing that made the trip valuable was, you know, really spending time with my mom, my, you know, the person who gave birth to me and, and just family. And I think that's the first lesson is, is really spending time with family. And I've, I've really asked myself, what do my mom and dad specifically, what, what do they want that they may not be saying? And there's something for you to consider. Would your parents, and not just parents, it could be friends, it could be any, any loved ones in your life, would they like you to call them more? But maybe they don't want to be needy, so they're not saying that to you. Like, both of my parents don't want to burden me. Uh, but, but I've realized when I'm really honest during my meditations, actually, is when I get clear of that, I go, you know what? My dad would probably want to talk to me every single day if he could. My mom, yeah, you know, maybe a couple times a week. But once I had that realization, I started selflessly looking out for what, what would serve them. And 
reaching out. Like, you know, now I call my dad a few, at least a few times a week, call my mom, you know, two times a week. And, uh, and I know it means a lot to them. And so this trip going out there and meet, seeing my mom meant a lot to her. And then the second part of it was, um, we went and saw my grandma for two days and, you know, kind of the same thing. We hadn't been out there since my son was born and, uh, and it meant a lot to grandma. So first thing is just for you to consider the people in your life who love you, how might you add value to their life? In, in really simple ways, right? Maybe even shooting them a quick text message or taking a video of your kids. I've been sending my parents videos of my kids a lot more because, again, they don't complain. They don't say anything. In fact, I think it was my sister that brought it to my attention. She goes, hey, mom will never say anything, but she really misses you guys, and she really would love to hear from you more. And, you know, and same with dad. And it was my, my sister, I think, that helped me to, to realize, oh, you're right. You know, you're right. And so giving that attention, selflessly adding value to the people in your life that love you, um, just asking yourself who in your life might appreciate hearing from you more or in what ways could you add value to your loved one's life um, in a really simple but, but meaningful way. The second thing that made the vacation great, and again, this applies to everyday life, is how active we were. We went on daily walks. Uh, we went to the zoo, which was a very long walk, you know, like three hours walking around the zoo. Uh, we went out and did karaoke at my mom's Elks Lodge. I have a video of my mom and my daughter doing, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. I think that's the name of the song, but you get what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, and it was just, it was like, it, that video is legendary. Like seeing my mom and my daughter up there just, in the moment, entertaining. It was really incredible. Um, we rented a five-person bike and we rode along the waterfront up in Tacoma on the, the sound where the ocean comes in. Uh, we went to Pike's Market where they throw the fish and you know we, had, we, we got like a, a psychic reading for the kids and um, we threw a big party together. We did a ton of stuff. And in the past, uh, I've been, I think, my family, we've succumbed to being lazy on our vacations, you know, staying at the hotel, just laying by the pool. And um, it was so nice and really fulfilling to be active. So I'd encourage you not just on vacation, but to ask yourself in your life, uh, how active are you? I know for me, I can fall in the trap and I, I haven't in a while, but I've definitely in the past fallen in the trap of, you know, like, doing the minimum I need to do to get by, meaning like show up to work, do the minimum work I need to do to check the boxes and then go home and veg out or lay around or do nothing. And what you find is, I, or at least for me, you know, when I go out, you know, I go went this morning, went for a bike ride, rode to the basketball courts, played basketball, rode back home, got a killer workout. I love shooting hoops, right? Like all the, I got to do something that it, it energized me. I felt happy. I felt alive. I was present in the moment on that bike. I was in nature. I was in sunshine. You know, it was incredible. So be being active, and I know same thing on the weekends. The weekends for us can often turn into lazy time, but when we're active and when we get out of the house and we do something together, uh, we you know it lights us up. We fe I feel more fulfilled, and I know my family does too. Another thing that we started doing recently, simple, low hanging fruit that you can model, is every day after dinner now we go for a family walk or a family bike ride. There's also, you know, you could Google, see some studies on how it's really 
beneficial to uh, move your body after you eat, uh, help boost your metabolism, digest your food quicker or or more effectively. And uh, yeah, so just that, but it feels great that like going on that family walk, it's, it checks off a lot of boxes. There's multiple benefits, not only digesting food, right, but connecting as a family, getting exercise, getting fresh air, so on and so forth. So Again, going back to the vacation, it was being active that made it one of the best, if not the best vacation of my life. The third was eating healthy food the entire time. A lot of times when I travel, depending on where we go, it's tough to find healthy food. You know, at home where I live here in Austin, Texas, we're blessed that, uh, you know, there's there's countless grocery stores, natural grocers and Sprouts and Wheatsville and Whole Foods. There's all these stores. I have unlimited supply virtually uh, of healthy food. But when you're traveling, it can be challenging. And so that was for me, whenever I land, I always go open up Yelp. Whenever I land, meaning get to my destination, open up Yelp, I type in organic restaurants, organic smoothies, uh, farm to table restaurants. And I try to, I immediately create a, 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 I save a list of all of the options in the area that are healthy. And so for me, I was able to find healthy organic food uh, for my entire trip. And that made a huge difference. And of course, you know, you can apply that to everyday life. And this could be a, a it's a whole other topic, right? Um, which we've done, we've talked about in the past, but like, why are you eating the foods that you're eating? Or what's the value? What, what's the criteria? Is it eating for taste? Because often if that's our criteria, eating for taste and, and period, like, don't get me wrong, I, I like good tasting food, but my number one priority is the quality of the food and the impact that it's going to have on my body. I want food that, that contributes to my cellular health so that I'll have longevity, you know, long-term health that I will, I want food that doesn't have toxins or genetically modified organisms in it so that I will, you know, that I, that I'm, I'm not putting cancer causing chemicals in my body, pesticides, for example, like I will not eat food that's not organic. And I don't mean to sound like a food snob. That's again, it's not being snobby. It's just, I've had cancer. And so I've spent dozens of hours researching how diet impacts our physiology, our biology, right? Or physiology, I guess better. And so for me, I won't put GMO foods in my body. I won't put preservatives in my body unless I have to, unless I'm in a situation where it's like, all right, I'm starving. I'm, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten in, you know, many, many, many hours, you know, six hours, whatever. And, uh, and the only food available is this, you know, not so high quality food. Um, but I've heard people say, and I know I used to argue like, oh, but the, the organic food, the healthy food is so much more expensive. And then I got hospitalized for cancer and, you know, my, my hospital bills were outrageous. I think the first, my first month and thankfully insurance paid some of this, but I, we came out of pocket tens of thousands of dollars. We had to, because the insurance I had was not set up to, to, cover what I got. But my, my first month, the hospital bill was $260,000 for one month, the first month. And I was in the hospital for, you know, for eight months, it was probably well over a million dollars. Anyway, but the point is, um, if there's anywhere that I'm going to invest money, even if it means cutting back in other areas of my life, my highest priority is the food that I put into my body. And so I'm just sharing that just to invite you to, you know, just to consider that. And for many of you, you're probably nodding your head going, yep, pal, I'm with you. Same for me. But, uh, but yeah, so just, just something to consider and that your everyday life 
here, here's what I'd encourage you to consider is the consequences of your food, valuing the consequences of your food above the taste, and then taste can come in second. For me, it's got to be adding value to my cellular health and energy, by the way. You know, I did a podcast you can probably find in our archives called Eating for Energy. And that's one of my high priorities, too, is I eat foods, living foods, typically, that have a high energetic vibration. I mean, you can measure it, right? The, the food that's sitting in a can or in a cardboard box, it's dead, right? When food's growing, you literally can measure the energy in living food that's growing out of the ground. Um, I was actually at a – I've shared this before, but I was at a Tony Robbins event in 2000, so gosh, 21 years ago, and uh, he brought a device out on stage and he was measuring, can't remember the device, it's been, it's been two decades ago, but he was measuring the energy from different foods and he had a bunch of different foods laid out on, you know, on stage on the table and he, he put this device, he could hold it up to any food and it would actually measure how many megahertz of energy the food was emulating. And he basically said in layman's terms, the, the amount of energy that the food is putting off that is being absorbed into your body and it's giving your body energy. And he essentially said that when you eat, you are either in an energy surplus or you are in an energy deficit. So if you're eating foods, and by the way, the way to determine that surplus or deficit is, are the foods you're eating, do they contain more living energy? Do they contain more energy than they require to digest? So all food requires energy to digest. Some food requires more energy to digest, but the amount of energy that's being put off, is it giving you more energy than it is sucking, right? Than it is extracting, it's requiring to digest. And I, again, I'm going, it's been 20 years, but I believe, don't quote me on these numbers, but he held the device up to raw broccoli and it was putting off something like seven, or sorry, 2000 megahertz of energy. And then he held up the device to uh, cooked broccoli, and it was putting out something like, I don't know, 700 or 200 megahertz of energy. It was far less. And then he held up the device to a piece of cooked steak. And it was putting off like 12 milligrams of energy. Again, don't quote me. I'm, I'm sure I'm off. But the, the general ratio here is, 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 is you know, is, is close. So the, the, the organic the, or the, the raw broccoli that was still, it was, you know, it was alive, you know, days before when they cut it off the you know, cut it and brought it in, it was putting off thousands of megahertz of energy. And when you consume it, your body is now absorbing and converting that energy into energy that you can use. The cooked broccoli, interestingly enough, required less energy to digest because the, the, the raw broccoli, I guess it's your body, it's harder to break down raw living food. But the ratio, it was still far greater in terms of how much it was adding to your body. The cooked broccoli added less energy to your body, but it actually was easier to digest. But you were still winning with the cooked bro or the raw broccoli. And then the cooked meat, of course, required the most amount of energy to digest, to break down that meat, and it gave your body the least amount of energy. So the idea is that if you eat raw living foods, like a salad or a smoothie, um, you are giving your body foods that, that, that contain measurable energy that your body converts and uses for energy. 
And if you eat dead food, if you will, right, that's either been cooked to oblivion or it's been, you know, it's, it's crackers or chips or cookies or it's been sitting in a can, you know, canned food, whatever, typically the energetic profile is very low. And so uh, all of that is just sharing for you to ask yourself again, what are the, what's the criteria that you decide what you eat every day? Are you eating for taste or are you eating for health? Are you eating for taste or are you eating for energy? And again, you can have your cake and eat it too, meaning you can eat for health and eat for energy. The impact that it has on your cellular health and the impact that it has on your physical energy, the foods that you're eating. And if that's your top criteria, those two, then you go, okay, what are the best tasting foods that that fall under that criteria, right? What are, what are the best tasting things I can eat? And I'll tell you, for me, I'll just run through. I start my day. I usually start it with green tea in the morning. And I'll usually put a little oat milk in the green tea, organic oat milk and organic green tea. Uh, and by the way, if you want, here's a little bonus tip for you. I actually, I used to brew green tea. And then uh, I don't know where I found these. Somebody introduced me to peak green tea. So you can get actually green tea, Earl Grey. They make all different kinds of teas. P-I- Q-U-E, you can head over to Amazon, or I, I, I prefer to order directly from every company that I can and skip the Amazon middleman. So I order directly from Peak Teas. In fact, I literally just got 12 boxes of organic uh, jasmine green tea in the mail yesterday uh, from them. But, uh, but Peak Green Tea, it's ground up organic tea leaves into a fine powder. And so all you do is, and you can even, it, it, it dissolves in cold water as easy as hot. So I love these for travel because if I don't have hot water or whatever, it doesn't matter. I'll just grab a water bottle, take a sip out of it to make a little room to shake it. So then I empty the green tea powder. Again, it's, it's not artificial powder. It's ground up green tea leaves. And then I put that in there, shake it up. And then it gives me a great, uh, a great boost of energy, by the way, and mental cognitive energy. Uh, and focus because green tea contains L-theanine. And L-theanine is an amino acid that balances out, I mean, I'm, and I'm no scientist to explain how this is happening, but from my understanding and my experience, since I drink this every day, the L-theanine balances out the caffeine. And so when you drink green tea, it impacts your body in a way different from coffee. Coffee, to my knowledge, does not contain L-theanine. And so with coffee... You end up, uh, you have that spike and crash. We've all experienced that before. Or with an energy drink, right? Spike and crash. When you drink green tea, because of the L-theanine, you have a more balanced energy and balanced cognitive benefit, if you will, uh, without the crash. So highly recommend that. So I start the day with green tea. Then I make my, call it the Miracle Morning Smoothie. The recipe is at mymiraclemorning.com if you want the recipe. Uh, And you it's a pretty intense recipe. It's got like 30 ingredients. So you can, and I say on the PDF, it's free. You can download it on the PDF. I say, look, you don't have to use all of these, but this is what I put in my smoothie. And you know, you can take and leave some of them. Um, but I have a smoothie. It's got an organic orange in it. It starts out with organic lemon juice. That's the base. It's got a garlic clove. Uh, it's got ginger in it. 
uh, real, you know, I actually put ginger, you know, real gin, organic ginger in there. Um, it's got a handful of pecans. It's got two scoops of organic chia seeds. Uh, it's got, uh, what else do I put in? I put a handful of spinach in there. And then it's got a lot of, it has a ground up ginseng powder. It's got matcha green tea powder, again, for that, that little bit of energy, a little boost. It's got Organifi vanilla protein powder. As you know, Organifi is one of my sponsors and they, I was using the product before they offered to sponsor me. So it was an easy yes, but I use Organifi vanilla protein powder. And a bunch of other stuff. So, but you can go to mymiraclemorning.com. So I start my day with that smoothie and I make a big blender full. It's like 32 ounces or maybe 24 ounces. I think it's 32. And I split it in half in two large cups. I drink one at 9 a.m. And then I, and then I have my lunch and then I drink the other at 3.30 p.m., the other half of my smoothie. Um, so it's a, it's basically makes two large smoothies. The, um, the lunch, the salad I make, it's again, trial and error, figuring out, okay, what tastes really good that will also give me energy. And I know I'm going, I'm, I'm going deep into this health piece, but I, I feel like it's one of the most important things is to eat a diet that, you know, cause without our health, right? We have, we have nothing, no, nothing else matters, right? All of our goals fall to the wayside. If we don't have our health, right? There's that, that famous quote, which, uh, I don't know exactly how it goes. It's something along the lines of, you know, he who has his health has many goals. He who doesn't have his health has but one goal, right? To be healthy. And, um, and so for me, diet is always one of my highest priorities. And it's why when I travel, you know, not just every, it's every day of my life, but it, it doesn't go away when I travel. I don't go, I'm on vacation, so I'm gonna eat like crap. No, and I know a lot of a lot of people do that. I don't. I don't even get that. I'm on vacation. I want. I'm going to eat like crap. Therefore, I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to get food coma. I'm going to, you know, get sugar spikes. I'm going to. No, I'm on vacation. I'm going to keep eating healthy so that I can be in an optimal physical, mental, and emotional state so that I can make the most of my vacation. And that's why this was the third piece of it being the best vacation of my life is I was able to keep eating healthy. So that salad I make every day, I use, I use organic. Uh, so the, the dressing, let me give you my secret dressing recipe. You ready for this? My secret dressing recipe. This is, this is, this is exciting. Like um, this to me is that, yeah, this is your dressing kind of makes the salad, right? And so here's what I do. I, um, and I don't, I don't measure stuff. I just eyeball it. So I can't tell you exactly how much, but I put in um, quite a bit of organic extra virgin olive oil. So I probably put in, I don't know, six tablespoons. I mean, I just pour it in the, I, I distill the bottom of my bowl. Uh, then I cut a lemon in half, an organic lemon. I squeeze a bunch of lemon juice in there. Um, and then I put uh, quite a bit of pepper on there, organic pepper. And then uh, Himalayan sea salt, just a little bit, not, not a lot, just a little bit. And then I put in cayenne pepper. There's a lot of health benefits to cayenne. You can Google what those are um, if you want to search. I put in organic hummus. That's the key ingredient. So instead of like a you know very liquidy dressing that just kind of slides off the leaves, I create this creamy dressing using hummus as the base. And I, my favorite hummus is, I believe the brand is called Hope. Uh, Hope Organic Hummus, and they have, you know, original spicy avocado, jalapeno cilantro, they got a bunch of different flavors. And that's how I change the flavor of my dressing is I have, I, you know, I, I, my two favorite flavors are the spicy avocado and the sea salt and olive oil hummus. And so I just alternate between those two and, uh, and I, you know, and one day I'll use one and the next day the other. So my dressing, the flavor slightly changes. And then in the salad, I, I use red leaf lettuce. 
I use, and I'll tell you the secret ingredient, other than the dressing, there's one more secret ingredient to feeling energized, which I'll give you in a minute. Uh, I use red leaf organic lettuce. You can use whatever you want, organic spinach, organic you know, romaine, spring leaf mix, whatever. I use one organic avocado in the salad. I use a one organic, actually usually half of an organic Granny Smith apple. It's kind of that salty and sweet you know, flavor palette that I like. Um, and then I use, uh, I, I top it off with uh, roasted, um, roasted and salted organic pistachios, which I get from Braga Farms, B-R-A-G-A. They make the best organic nuts. That's where I get my pecans for my smoothie from. I also alternate between pecans for the smoothie as well as um, walnuts. And again, I don't have, I actually, I, I've been meaning to create a, a sheet because this is all part of the Miracle Morning smoothie, that, that smoothie recipe I gave you a minute ago. Um, I've been meaning to make a sheet that actually just gives you like a, a synopsis, a paragraph on the health benefits of each of the ingredients. But I, I don't have that that created yet. But for the salad, so I put in the pistachios and there's, you know, I don't know about the health benefits as much as those just, they taste really good. But the secret ingredient that I mentioned, and I would invite every single one of you listening to this to give this a try if you haven't yet. Uh, it's also one of my favorite emergency foods, which we're going to talk about here um, in, in, a, in a shortly. We talk about the food supply chain, but the, um, the smoothie recipe is, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the secret ingredient is sprouted mung beans. Now, if you watch The Office, you may have seen that scene where Creed comes in and somebody goes, ew, what's that smell? And it's Creed eating mung beans. Now, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, as long as you rinse your mung beans off, and I'm going to tell you to do this in a second, but they don't smell bad. They're, they're, they taste great. Um, in fact, I let my buddy Mike McCarthy was over at my house uh, probably a few weeks ago. And uh, I said, have you had mung beans? And I explained them to him. And he goes, no. And I gave him a bite straight up with no nothing, no sauce, no salt, nothing. And he goes, eh, they're actually pretty good even on their own. So here's the reason. Here's the point of mung beans. You sprout the mung beans. What that means is you just get a jar and you pour in some of the mung beans. And you can buy organic mung beans on Amazon or you know any health food store. And you soak them for 12 hours. And then you pour the water out. And then that's when I encourage you to rinse them so that, it, you know, the water can get kind of stale so you can rinse them, rinse them off. But you, after you've soaked them for 12 hours, you let them sit in the window seal or on the counter and they start to sprout within, I don't know, another few hours. They start sprouting. You see like a little tail growing out of the mung bean. And the benefit of this, it goes back to the, the energy of the food that you're eating that we talked about a little bit ago. So imagine this, when you buy uh, produce from the grocery store, even if it's organic, that organic broccoli that Tony Robbins measured on stage, it's dying, right? Meaning it's living food. It still has living energy inside it, but every day it's dying. It's decaying because it was cut from its roots, you know, days ago, if not weeks ago. And it's been dying ever since it was cut off from its roots and cut off from its water supply. And in sitting, you know, in the grocery store or in your refrigerator. So, yes, living foods are, you know, I, that, that to me is my dominant, that's my primary source of food because it gives me energy. It, has, it contains the energy within it. But imagine when you are sprouting mung beans, they're not dying, right? They weren't cut from the, the, their roots days ago or weeks ago, 
mung be- sprouting mung beans are literally they are living they are growing life is sprouting from that mung bean so the energetic profile of that mung bean that that's the ultimate energy energetic food that you can eat is food that is still alive that is actually living it's growing it's not dying it wasn't cut it's living and so when you spread and mung beans by the way when you buy them they're they're rock hard but then when you sprout them and they start growing a sprout they become soft and then you can and then what i do is that goes into my salad and i put you know again i just eyeball it i dump in some mung beans you can play with how much you like in your salad but but that so that's my lunch every day so i've got this the green tea in the morning i've got oh and and first thing in the morning i eat a scoop of coconut oil and that's because our brain right fat is fuel for our brain and so I used to drink Bulletproof coffee. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that, or you might have drank in that, where you put in MCT oil, which is derived from coconuts, as well as if you follow the original Bulletproof coffee recipe, it's got organic grass-fed butter in it, unsalted butter. Um, also just giving you that fat for your brain to operate off. I don't do the Bulletproof coffee anymore. I do the green tea, and I've made Bulletproof green tea. It just kind of tastes weird, uh, at least to me. So first thing when I wake up, I brush my teeth, I drink a glass of water, and then I go into my pantry and I eat a giant scoop of coconut butter. So it's coconut butter. It's got a really great taste. It melts in your mouth. And then I go right over and I make my green tea, right? So that's actually the starting the day is the coconut butter, then the green tea, then the smoothie that I I, I gave you the recipe for, then the salad I gave you the recipe for. And then for dinner, oh, and then I drink the second half of my smoothie at 3.30, right? I'm just giving you the whole, the whole rundown. And, and by the way, I'm just sharing this with you for you to take bits and pieces of what you might go, ooh, that's a good idea. I might apply that to my life. I might try that. Um, I kind of want you to think of today's episode as a buffet. In fact, every episode's a buffet, right? You go to the buffet, you don't eat everything at the buffet, you don't have to, every idea doesn't need to apply to you or, or you don't need to resonate with or uh, implement it in your life. Right, it only takes one idea to change your life. If all you do is start doing that smoothie, it's a game changer, total game changer. If you start drinking green tea instead of coffee, that might be a game changer for you. If you start every day with a, a scoop of uh, coconut butter and you see the co- your, your, how, wow, I'm able to really think clearly. My brain has the fuel it needs first thing in the morning. I don't give it carbs, right? Empty carbs, I give it fat, good, healthy, organic fat that's easily accessible and, and, and can, tra- you know, enhance your cognitive ability, especially in combination with that green tea. And then last but not least is dinner. And dinner is usually whatever my wife makes. My wife uh, made grass-fed uh, steaks last night. And so that's what we had for dinner. So uh, I, you know, I eat organic and vegan and mostly raw all day long and then have small amounts of, you know, grass-fed meat. And she usually will make, you know, she'll you know, boil some broccoli or, or whatever. So I just eat whatever she makes for dinner. And then I do like dessert. I have a sweet tooth, but I I also minimize sugar. So I literally have like three to four small bites of ice cream. I have like, I buy pints of uh, Nada Moo, which is an organic coconut milk ice cream. I buy them in pints and one pint will last me for like a week, if not longer. I just have a few scoops off the top, get that flavor, satisfy that sweet tooth, right? And then, and that's it. And the last thing I'll say is I eat usually between 5 and 6 p.m. because it can take anywhere from three to four hours for you to fully digest your food. And so for me, I want my food fully digested by the time I go to bed. And I usually go to bed around 9, 
9.30, get up at 4.30 in the morning. So for what it's worth, that's hopefully something in that buffet of you know ideas around eating for energy, eating for longevity over taste. Those specific foods I shared with you, the timing of the foods, et cetera, hopefully something in there really resonated with you. I know I went really deep into that topic, but that saves us from doing a, a food episode. So there's your food episode. And then lastly, and this is, I believe this is the most important lesson that I can share with you to apply to your daily life in terms of what made this the best vacation of my life. And it was simply that I made it a point to be consciously present and grateful in, I wouldn't say every moment, because you know you drift sometimes, your, your attention wanders, but in virtually every single moment that I, that I was aware, that I was present to, I made it a point to be consciously present and deeply grateful in each moment. And so I found myself, you know, I, and this is not just on the vacation, I do this every day, but I found myself thinking things to myself such as, I'm so grateful to be here. And I would just, I'll put my hand on my, on my, over my heart, right? And just go, just breathe that in. Go, I'm so grateful to be at my mom's house. I'm so grateful to be with my mom. I'm so grateful to be eating my mom's home cooked meal. I'm so grateful to be looking at the, at the ocean. My mom has a view of the, of the sound, which is the, like the inlet of the ocean in, uh, in Tacoma, Washington. Her house is high up on the hill and she looks out to beautiful view. And uh, I can't get her to move to Texas because she has this dang view that, <laughs> that is captivating. She won't leave her view. But I sit there and look at it, and I'm so, I'm so grateful to be here. The other thing I would consciously think is, this is the best moment of my life. And if you listen to my, you know, the podcast I did a few episodes ago, that how to make every moment the best moment of your life, you know, it's the idea that you decide, this is the best moment of my life. Why? Because it's the only moment of my life. Because I choose to experience every moment of my life as the best moment of my life. But because I was so present, I was so grateful, and I was consciously choosing my inner dialogue in a way that allowed me to make that the best vacation of my life. And then there's one thing I haven't shared before. Actually, before I go into that, let me, let me close this out. I, I, I'm not only am I grateful for the vacation and that it was such a great vacation, but I, I'm even more grateful that you and me that every single one of us has the ability to choose what we think and say to ourselves and thus determine how we experience life each day, right? You know, it's just, it goes without saying that what we think and what we say to ourselves impacts and even determines how we experience life. And most people, I, I, would, I would go out on a limb to say most people aren't consciously choosing what they're thinking and what they're saying. They're just unconsciously reacting to the stimulus stimuli in their life, right? They're watching the news and they're reacting to the news. They're on social media and they're reacting to what they see other people posting, right? They're, they're interacting with other human beings and they're reacting to what those human beings say or do or don't say or don't do. Most people are not consciously choosing how they experience life. And that's been my focus, right? This, the last, I don't know how long, six months or so is really mastering your inner world, your inner experience, attaining what I call inner freedom. And, and, and by the way, we're going to go deep into, or not deep, but we're going to talk about that when I, I share this passage from the book I'm reading, The Inner Work. That's the third thing we're going to talk about today. And we are what, about 40 minutes in right now. 
So I would encourage you to apply that to your life, to realize that you have the power to interpret life however you want. Something goes wrong, you could say, this is the worst thing ever. Or you could say, this is the greatest opportunity for growth I've ever had. And I'm grateful to grow. You know, my son yesterday was a great miniature example of this. He is uh, eight years old. And my son, Halston. And Halston has this bow and arrow. It's this little plastic bow and arrow that shoots a, um, the dart is plastic and it has a suction, you know, that little round suction, like one inch suction piece on the end of it. So he shoots it and sticks it to windows and mirrors and that sort of thing. And he has been using this for, I think he got it. Uh, I think it was a gift from my, my dad when he was visiting probably a few weeks ago, a month ago. And my son has been using, shooting it every day. In fact, he wore out the bow, the, 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 the string. So I had to retie it. And, you know, he's really been putting a lot of miles on this thing. And when he first started, he wasn't good at, he wasn't proficient. He couldn't get it to stick to anything. He couldn't shoot it straight. And he's been practicing every day. And it's been so cool to see. He'll pick it up and he's like Katniss in the Hunger Games. If you ever saw that movie, like without even thinking, he pulls it back and shoots it and it sticks every time. Like he, and now he's challenges himself to stick it on like ceiling fans and, you know, small little surfaces and all these things. So it's like, it's been his number one toy that he's been playing with. And yesterday he goes, dad, watch, watch how far I can shoot it now when I pull it back really far. And again, this is a cheap plastic toy and he pulls it back really far and it snaps. It snaps in two. It breaks at the plastic piece, right? The plastic broke. It was not really fixable. I mean, you could try to super glue it, but it'd probably just break as soon as you pulled it back. And I go, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. And he goes, huh? And he like, he just, he took a second and he kind of looked at it and he like kind of looked to the side and he, he goes, dad, I, I, I know. He said, I might've broken a bow and arrow, but I just made nunchucks. And he grabbed one side of the broken bow and now there's a string in the middle and then the other side of the broken bow and he starts whipping it around like nunchucks. And I go, Halston, I said, that, do you realize what you just did? He said, no. I said, you just took an experience that you could have been upset about. In fact, most kids, I mean, you love that bow. That's like, right? You've been playing with that every day. You've gotten so good at it. I said, and most kids, in fact, most adults probably would have experienced emotional pain over that bow breaking. I don't know if this is exactly what I said to him, but I'm translating it, you know, for you. Um, but right, they would have been upset. They would have been mad or sad or disappointed or upset and, you know, and it would have ruined their day possibly. I said, you, within less than a minute, you turned that experience, that broken bow you found the positive in it and you, you turned it into nunchucks and now you're having fun with nunchucks. And I said, you can apply that to everything in life. Things are going to go not the way you want them to. And you can immediately get upset or you can immediately go, hmm, what could I learn from this? Or, or how can I, what can I do now that I couldn't have done before this happened? Or how can I use this experience to grow as a person? You know, again, he's eight years old. I, I probably said it in different words, but it's just an example of how no matter what happens to you, you get to choose your perspective. You get to choose how you view it. It can, the worst thing that ever happened to you could also be the best thing that ever happened to you. It's the exact same thing, but you get to decide. I think I said this on the last podcast episode we did, 
in, in the episode, by the way, if you didn't listen, it's gotten, I've gotten a lot of notes from this. In fact, some people, even friends of mine that I haven't heard from in a while go, wow, my buddy, Tony Carlston, who I haven't talked to in probably a year, texts me a picture of the podcast. He said, how this is it's really good episode or whatever, but it was called, uh, optimism versus pessimism versus delusion. So if you want to go to the podcast, you can go search for that one. It was episode three. Let me tell you, I don't want to mess you up. It was, I think it was 378. No, 388. 388. Optimism versus pessimism versus realism, which is better. But the point is that you get to choose, right? How you perceive life, what paradigm you choose to view things from. You can view you know, the same thing happens to two different people. One person views everything that went wrong with that experience. And the other person views everything that's right and that, that's beneficial. And the first person is distraught and the second person is inspired. Same experience, same tragedy, same trauma. But our perception, our interpretation, the meaning we give to it determines how it affects us. So those are the four big lessons for me, the factors that when I reflected on what made this the best vacation ever, it was that I was spending time with people that I love, my family. Uh, we were really active, including physical activity, right? We were going to the zoo, doing all sorts of stuff, going on walks. Number three, I was eating healthy. I maintained that healthy eating. And number four, I was totally present and deeply grateful in each moment for the experience that I was having. And again, you can apply, I believe you can apply all four of those lessons to your life. Spend time with people that you love, be active, do things, don't just sit around and veg in front of the TV, exercise, move, go do fun stuff, explore this beautiful planet that we've been blessed with, right? And then three, eat healthy foods, eat foods that give you energy, and that benefit your cellular health that will provide longevity for you. And last but not least, be, con be present, consciously present in each moment. Don't wish you were in the past. Don't stew over the past or worry about the future. Be in this moment and be grateful for every moment that you have. This one life we've been blessed to live. May we all be present and grateful as much as humanly possible. All right, that's the vacation stuff. Um, the rest of this is gonna be a little shorter, a lot shorter. Um, I wanna talk about food supply chain disruptions and I am not a details person. So because I haven't, I, you know, I've, I've, I've spent dozens of hours on this one topic researching, but I don't, I don't take a lot of detailed notes. And so I, I take some, mostly I take actions that I wanna do. I go, okay, what am I gonna do from this? But I don't take notes on the data and, 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 and all this stuff, right? Um, but I research the data. So meaning I'm sharing all that because I, I'm, not the, I'm not the guy to turn to when it's like, hey, give me the data, give me the stats, give me the studies, give me the research. I just, I just re read it, I consume it. And then I'm just gonna share with you at a high level, just so you can do your own research. Like, you know, again, that's the, that's the point of this. So being that I'm spending a lot of time researching topics that affect my family, right? Food, food and water, right? Those are the top two. I mean, there's, there's nothing that, that's more pressing. If you don't have food and water, yeah, you're, you're kind of in trouble. So our food supply chain is one thing I've focused a lot on in the last year. And just at a high level, 
here in America, I can't speak for the entire world, although I know this is affecting other countries as well. But here in America, we are experiencing severe disruptions in our food supply chain. So from farmers that are being paid not to grow their crops to, uh, you know, countless crops that were destroyed during the freezes uh, that we had this past winter um, to animals that were slaughtered and disposed of during COVID and, and didn't provide food for anybody. Grocery stores and restaurants are stockpiling food right now in anticipation of potential shortages on the horizon. I can't tell you why they're doing it, but that's you know, you can, that, that may be why, or it's inflation, kind of one of those two would be the common sense assessment of either they're anticipating that food prices are going to be a lot higher, so they're going to buy it now, or that there's going to be shortages, so they're going to buy it now. And again, maybe there's a third option that, that I'm not thinking about. Um, but all of the issues that I've seen could lead to major sh- food shortages. So meaning, us not having the ability to get food in grocery stores and restaurants. And I want to share this too, by the way, mainstream media, from what I can tell, they're not reporting on this. A local local media sources are. And I found that if you look like local sources in different cities are talking about how grocery stores unable to get food, um, restaurants are, you know, are having food shortages, but it's not being reported in the mainstream media. I believe the reason for that, again, my guess is to not create panic. And and that's the thing is once this, if this gets out nationally, right, widespread, there's there's news of food shortages, then there's going to be a run on grocery stores. And think about that. There's likely to be a run on grocery stores. I'm not, I can't tell you for sure what would happen, but there's likely to be a run on grocery stores. And if you think about it, we saw this in COVID. You're looking at 24 to 48 hours before Stores are, are, you know, are barren, right? Especially all the produce. There might, might be some canned food left, but, but all the produce, like it's gone. It, it, we saw this happen with COVID. We can be 24 to 48 hours away from grocery stores being cleaned out. So what sparked this for me, by the way, again, I've been studying this for a year, but what, what got me to bring this up to you and go, I have to say something like I've mentioned it before. I've mentioned this before on podcasts, like briefly, but I want to spend just a little more time, make a little more of an emphasis on it today, because the other day, a friend sent me a video from, uh, it was from Tim Poole. Uh, Tim Poole is the host of the podcast, Timcast. I was new to, t- I, I don't know, I didn't know who this was. So actually I Googled him on Wikipedia. Um, Wikipedia describes Tim Poole as an American citizen journalist. I don't even know what that is. Um, a podcaster, a YouTuber, and a political commentator. Um, he's got, I, you know, his YouTube channel, which is where I saw this video. He has 1.2 million subscribers and his channel has over 340 million views. And so the video that was sent to me from a friend was the title of it was stores panic buy food in fear something big is coming comma food shortages gets worse amid economic crisis. Right. So if you want to go watch this video that my buddy sent me um, or not just I mean, it's a buddy, it's a good friend store panic by food stores, panic by food in fear. Something big is coming. Food shortages get worse amid economic crisis. I think it's like a 25 minute video. I watched the entire thing on one point five speed. Again, I'm not endorsing Tim Poole. Um, I don't know enough about him. I'm just telling you that, you know, for me, I try not to people say, well, pay attention to the source. I usually look at what's the source saying and what is the research that they've done that they're showing me that I'm seeing on the screen. 
right? So you see a lot of articles and stuff that Tim compiled. Um, but that was the video that made me realize there, there's got to be some urgency in this. And I shared it with my dad. I shared it with close friends. I shared it with my circle of influence. And so now I'm sharing it with you. Um, and just, just so my recommendation, what I'm doing, and we started doing this a long time ago when I started learning. Actually, the other YouTuber that I've followed for a long time, uh, and I've recommended him before, is Ice Age Farmer. And Ice Age Farmer, all he does is focus on the food supply. That's it. Like he just he just goes deep into one aspect of the topic. One, you know, what's the food supply issue between here and China? What's going on in the meat industry? What's so he'll do like a you know an hour long video on just the meat industry on just soybeans. In fact, that's the video that um, a friend sent me was a video he did on soybeans uh, probably eight months ago. But anyway, so um, it's real simple. Just stock up on some food uh, in case there's any food shortages. And if there's not, it doesn't matter. You just eat the food, right? Like there's, there's nothing to lose by grabbing some extra food that has a long shelf life. And for me, I just order organic black beans, organic rice, uh, and organic mung beans. Those are like my three top three. And then, and then we have a freezer full of, you know, we order some meat, put it in the freezer, um, you know, so that we have some protein in that way and chicken and that sort of thing. But I will tell you this, by the way, one of the, another reason is mung beans is one of my favorite foods. Not only is it providing living energy when you sprout mung beans, and by the way, mung beans don't provide living energy if you boil them, only if you sprout them, but mung beans, listen to this, mung beans have seven grams of protein per ounce per ounce. And I'd say I probably eat three ounces a day in my salad. So that's 21 grams of plant-based protein just from the mung beans, right? That not including the, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The pistachios that are in my salad and the, the nuts in the morning and this and that, right? So, um, anyway, so that's something to be aware of is that you're getting a lot of protein from those mung beans as well. So, so that's what I would recommend. Again, do your own research. I am not the source. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not the, I'm not the end all be all. Just consider me a friend that's given you a heads up that I've spent dozens of hours looking into the topic of our food supply chain. And I'm concerned enough about it that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to share it on this podcast and even risk. I know people are weird. Like I'll probably get emails that go, you know, what are you a prepper or like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, projecting or whatever. Um, but I think that's why I've, I've hesitated is I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm crazy, but I'd rather, you know, if one person on this, uh, listening right now, grab some extra rice and beans off of Amazon and some mung beans or whatever, or canned goods, whatever you want. And then, uh, there's, you know, there's a run on the stores like there was in COVID there, there was already a run on the stores. Uh, this isn't like a conspiracy theory. Like this happened, I think it was last March, right? Or April, 2020. I don't know about you. Couldn't get toilet paper. Couldn't get any organic. Pro I couldn't get any organic produce. It was gone. The shelves were, it was gone. So this has already happened once. Could this happen again? Could it? Absolutely. Will it? I don't know. But I, I don't want to be the person that was like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm just going to plan on everything going perfectly according to plan. And even though history has shown that this could happen again, I'm just going to ignore it. Like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. I want to be the person that, especially having a family, even if I was single, 
I'm the person that's like, hey, no, I got, I got a pantry full of, you know, I got six months worth of black beans and pinto beans and, and balsamati, you know, rice and, and brown rice. And I got mung beans because Hal told me to sprout them. Like, I don't know, right? Like, I want to be the person that's like, no, I got a ton of stuff. I don't have to, you know, I'm, I'm good, right? So just something for you to consider and, uh, and go do your own research. And then last but not least, I saved, I don't know if this is the best for last, but um, whenever I'm writing a book, I always order, I read blogs, I do my own research. I order books on what, what feel like related topics to what I'm writing about. And uh, books, you know, that, that have inspired the book I'm writing are books that I've mentioned in the past, like The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, uh, his other book, Michael Singer's other book, The Surrender Experiment, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Who Do We Choose to Be by Margaret Wheatley, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible by Charles Eisenstein, right? So these are some of the books that have inspired my thinking around um, the book that I'm writing right now. And the other day I was on Amazon and I found this book called The Inner Work, An Invitation to True Freedom and Lasting Happiness. And I thought, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the inner work and it's, I'm, my book is focusing on how to achieve inner freedom or what you call true freedom, right? Whatever you want to call it. And so I read the description. I thought, oh, this seems really similar to what I'm writing about. I'll, I'll, I'll get this book as part of my research. And then when I started reading the book, I was, it was kind of weird. I go, wait a minute. Like, it, it's like these people you know, maybe they got the same message from the universe, or I, I don't know. But the authors, uh, the authors, by the way, are Matt, M-A-T, and Ash. I don't even know their last names. It just says Matt and Ash. But, uh, and they, they're known, their online uh, social media handle is The Yoga Couple. So if you want to follow The Yoga Couple, you can find them. But the book is called The Inner Work, An Invitation to True Freedom and Lasting Happiness. I'm just going to read to you the opening. It's, this is message from the authors. And... Um, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, I, you'll hear a lot of what I've talked about uh, in this, you know, it's a short two-page introduction. So here we go. With a book such as this, it is important for us to clarify that by all means, this book is meant for us as much as it is for you. We're reading too, in a sense. We humbly bring this message forward in hopes that the inner work may bring you the same utter satisfaction and joy it has brought us. The inner work is for those who are ready to understand themselves on a deeper level and are yearning for true freedom and lasting happiness. It is especially for those who have read countless books on self-improvement and spirituality, but have yet to make lasting progress. No matter where you are in your journey, this book will help you to acknowledge and overcome the obstacles which prevent you from experiencing optimal states of existence. To be truly liberated and happy we have found that the practices shared within these pages must be applied consistently with conscious effort in order to prove effective. There is no one and done prescription here. All true healing and change must come from an inner transformation of the soul by shedding our old limiting self in order to embrace our greatest destiny. This may bring about lifestyle changes that will reflect the inner work being done. It is important to understand that the truth of our joy is not something that has to be learned, gained, or acquired, but rather something we remember and awaken to. The fullness of our potential is already there and waiting right now. We just have to do our inner work to reveal it. And for most of us, time will provide to be the greatest gift throughout the healing journey. 
It is with the sincerest love and humility that the rituals within this book will help you in your spiritual awakening and return home to true freedom and lasting happiness. Lastly, a caveat to be aware of, know that more than likely this book will trigger you. Become curious about your resistance and their origins and have the courage to lean into them for your freedom is just beyond the boundaries of your discomfort. So that's the introduction. And I was going to read chapter one, but I'll let you guys, if you want to check out the book, I actually am going to reach out to the authors and invite them on the podcast because again, I'm just, as I'm reading this and I'm, I'm probably about, you know, maybe a little less than half the way through the book. So I'll let you know, I'll give you a report back when I'm finished with it completely. But so far I'm just, like I said, I'm blown away. I'm cause I'm going, this is exactly what I was going to write for the most part. Like this is what I was going to write. I, you know, so both it's kind of weird going, wait, do I not need to write the book I was going to write? Or do I need to write a different book? Or I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what, uh, what to do from here. So once I finish their book, I'll, I'll probably have more clarity on what my next step is. But, uh, but I wanted to share it with you because it's, it's made such a huge impact on me. And again, it's the book I was going to write, you know, for the most part. So I encourage you to check it out on Amazon or wherever you buy books, The Inner Work. Uh, that covers it for today. That covers it for today. So three kind of random unrelated yet in some ways related topics um, that, uh, that I hope I hope from something of the buffet that I, that I brought today, hopefully this was uh, valuable for you. Yeah, so thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I love you. I really do. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for being a listener of the podcast. And uh, until next time, choose to be free. Choose to experience every moment of your life as you want. If you want to be happy, be happy. If you want to be at peace, be peace. Realize that you have the power to choose how you experience your life. And it has little to do with what's going on around you and everything to do with what's going on inside of you. So choose love, choose freedom. I love y'all. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.